0: on the spinning back click. We each week here at MMA Junkie we take a spin through the biggest stories in MMA on this week's docket. We have a new BMF courtesy of the Ustins. The vacant light heavyweight title fight is becoming more and more clear and we have a free agent in the heavyweight division. I know one fight that'll pay him two million dollars. We'll discuss it all that and much much more. Hello everyone I'm your host gorgeous George and with me as always some of the sharpest MMA minds in the biz. Joining me this week SVC creator Goes from MMA Junkie Radio. He's here in Sin City. Danny Segura is back, the host of Hablemos MMA. For all you Spanish speakers, check out his YouTube show. It's outstanding. And, of course, our international superstar reporter, Farah Hanoun links up with us from Morocco. Cold coffee on the ones and twos. Let's get to it. All right, guys. Main event. At UFC 291 this past Saturday, that's what produced our new BMF. Justin Gagey defeated Dustin Poirier via head kick and a couple of follow-up strikes. It was one minute into round two uh, when the fight came to a halt. Gagey's the new BMF and the OG himself, Jorge Mazo, the original BMF, was there in person to hand the belt to Gagey. Panel, I need you to react to this. What were your thoughts on the fight? What did this result do? For the highlights career. We turn to the bottom uh, wow. for the first take of the week.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, I picked Dustin Poirier to win, but when I was doing the preview show uh, with Danny like literally hour hours before, I just had this gut instinct where I said maybe I can see Gaethje getting this done early. I said I can't envision a late Gaethje finish, but for some reason I can envision uh, as early Gaethje finish, and that's what we got. And hey, it looked like Gaethje was surprised that he was able to Land and finish Poirier like that, but an amazing finish nonetheless. It was a beautiful head kick. Poirier partially blocked it, but it you know wrapped around the back of his head, as you can see uh, in the video here. Just a, a beautiful shot, a beautiful finish. It was not the war that everybody expected. You know, it, it was funny because Gaethje, when uh, I think it was Shaquille Majhuri that he did the interview with, when he asked him, "Would you uh, turn around?" And that was, I guess, before they announced Oliveira and Islam rematch. Would you turn around? Uh, and fighting Abu Dhabi for the title, he said 0% chance. When you look at that performance and the way he uh, came out of it, I don't think it would have been a 0% chance, but ultimately the UFC went with Oliveira and Makachev, which I don't hate. Uh, I think Oliveira deserves it, but it's funny that this fight really did not pan out the way anybody expected it to, but spectacular finish uh, nonetheless from Jesse yeah, Richard.
0: We never reached deep waters, but we got our resolution, that's for sure. All right, guys. I want you to react to this main event and did they pull it off i mean is this vmf thing again something that you know you want to see a little bit more of oh one last thing goes goes Herb Dean safe or out uh at the very <laughs> end and i wasn't sure
2: yeah that was a pretty good uh herb dean moment there it was a nice slide um look i think we all kind of saw what happens when justin gage actually sticks to a game plan right we saw in the last fight he actually decided to go for a takedown. I think we all pretty much knew that was just a one-time thing. But here in particular, if you look at that first fight, I felt like there were more more methods for Justin Gagey to improve on a second fight than there were for Dustin Poirier. And I think what he did was he wasn't as wild, right? He was more dialed in. He didn't throw wild strikes. He took his time, and granted, I think some of that had to do with maybe the elevation and a five-round fight. But he was a, a smart fighter here, and uh, it was just a matter of time. You were, you could kind of tell he was gauging his distance. I didn't think he was going to finish with a head kick <laughs> the way he did, and I'm surprised the UFC didn't show that more. Man, poor Dustin Poirier I had to watch <laughs> that like 15 times before they even got to the interviews. But a great performance for Justin Gaethje, and like you know I, that that performance for me, like I know a lot of people are going to say, all right, well they're one-one. What do we do now? That performance for me kind of screams more like Justin Gagey should be looking up. You know, like if you look at that fight, yes, he's the BMF now. And and I do like the fact that Justin kind of held onto the belt and held it over his shoulder. If you remember the interim title, he kind of wanted nothing to do with it. So I thought in the end the BMF did kind of work. But I think Justin Gagey's sights are, are, are kind of focused on something bigger now.
0: Heavy belt, too, man. Uh, he's been struggling to hold that thing up, whether it was in <laughs> yeah. the octagon or here. All right, and how about Danny Segura down in South Florida? Danny, what did this do for you, man? Did it you know, did, did it hit a home run like the UFC wanted it to? Did you change your mind? I, I think you were a little against this going in, but your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I'm still not for the BMF title. Um, it just seems a little bit silly. I thought it, it seemed fine for the situation between Jorge Masbial and Nate Diaz. But beyond that, I, I don't want to see it personally. I was excited for this fight before it was announced that they would be fighting for the BMF because this fight did get booked uh before they they uh sort of brought that up to that, that championship standard per se. But it's just a title that it, I don't want to call it meaningless, but what does it mean? It's very confusing, right? And especially if they're gonna start defending it now. I don't know if that's the case, but Anyways, not a big fan of the whole BMF thing beyond Nate Diaz versus Jorge Masbial. But still, the performance was amazing. The finish was great. I loved it. Uh, It was a fantastic uh, showing by Justin Gagey, who is showing that at this point in his career, someone that's pretty uh, developed, pretty already in his mold, he's showing new wrinkles to his game. He's not changing or reinventing the wheel drastically, but just fighting a lot more measured, a lot more poised a lot more intelligent. And I feel like that was one of his biggest things. He will sometimes take unnecessary risks. And here, obviously, I think he will always take risks. That's his style. But they they seem to be a little bit more calculated, and it's paying off. Uh, Clearly, a a much improved, a much better fighter this time around than the version compared in 2018. And I think he just punched himself a ticket to a title shot. I know that for a while we were talking about Volkanovsky challenging at 155 for a second time, especially if Makashev wins. But I don't know, that knockout inspired a lot. And I kind of want to see Gagey get another crack at the belt. I do feel like I kind of discarded his chances of becoming champion after, you know, coming up short against uh, Oliveira as well as Khabib. But nowadays, uh, can you rule him out? No, you can't. I mean, I would certainly have Makashev or Oliveira's favorites as of now. We'd have to see how they look come October because that could change things as well. But certainly I see the fight a lot more even now with this performance in mind than before. So um, I'm all for Justin Gagey making another title run, and I think he should be next. Um, Loki kind of want to see him fight for the belt uh, before Volkanovski does, just because I like having an order in things, and I think 155 belt should be defended for the most part against 155 contenders. All right, so you kind of answered some
0: questions for me. I appreciate it, Danny. So you say you think... Gagey, I'll stay with you. Gagey versus Olivera and Makachev. Gagey would be an underdog is what you're saying against
3: either one, right? As of now, right. They they could fight and look terrible or like the winner could look terrible, right? Yeah. And then you go, Okay, maybe maybe things change. But as of now, yeah, he would certainly be the underdog, but I don't think by a ton. You look at what Gagey does knocking out Poirier. I mean, the last time Poirier suffered a stoppage loss of that manner was against Michael Johnson, I think back in mm. like twenty sixteen. So yeah. you know, it's been a while. Like to do that to Poirier is is damn impressive, especially as is goes in fair mention it wasn't the cleanest shot like poria got to block a good chunk of it and yet it still knocked him out so yeah i mean can you really discard him against Oliveira or, or Makashev? i think it'd be extremely silly and, and foolish to do right. so so yeah I, i'm and in your that. opinion
0: in your opinion you think he's ahead of olkanovsky now in the pecking order once the other two so- solve their problem he's in the, he's ahead you're saying
3: yeah, yeah. I, I do like champ versus champ fights so long as both champions uh have cleared their divisions or at least a good chunk of it and right. there's no, you know, with deserving contenders waiting in line or, or waiting to get screwed over uh for a shot at somebody else in a lower weight classes or higher, depending on if the champions obviously moving up. But in this case we got Ilya Topuria, who I think we can all agree, um you know, he's pretty damn deserving of, the, of yeah. the shot at 145. And then at 155, we've got Gagey as well. And let's not forget that fight, champion versus champion fight between Islam and Volkanovski, it was this year. Like, we're not talking about f- a fight that went on like a couple <laughs> years ago. Like, we just saw it. So, I think it is wise to have some distance between those two fights. One more defense from each. I think that, that makes sense. Don't you
2: guys feel like Makachev really has to come out and make a statement in this fight? Because... It's hard to say his name without attaching it to Volkanovski, who is a featherweight. If you look at Justin Gaethje's game, you look at it and you go, well, I think he could do a lot of things Volkanovski did in that fight. Like, it's hard to kind of separate those two. And, but I want to keep something going. I want to ask Danny this because we had this conversation on MMA Junkie Radio. The I'm not a big BMF fan either. I think in the end it kind of worked out. I guess the fans love it. But as part of it, the fact that Justin and Dustin were just such nice guys, because at the end of the day, anybody that goes in the cage, they're all BMFs, right? This is their career choice. Like, this is pretty insane to go in there and do this uh, month after month. I feel like they're all BMFs. So you need something a little extra that makes you not just afraid of them in the cage, but outside of the cage where you walk up to yeah. them and you go, oh, my God, can, can I please have a, a, a photo with you? They didn't really have that edge. I think that's where this kind of failed a little bit.
3: Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, that was the whole spirit of the Nate Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal fight. It was like this, you know, street style that they both carried, like this sort of OG um, and anything can happen any, anytime, anywhere, you know. And and it just seemed perfect. It just seemed perfect for that specific fight. I don't think, again, Justin and, and Dustin, two badasses. How many fight of the night uh, and performance of the night bonuses do they have together? a ton, but, um, but it goes beyond that. Right. And, and if they brought it back once, it'd be kind of weird and awkward if it's just twice now, right? Like they're definitely going to, whenever they're, they're in need of a championship fight, I, I think they're going to have that BMF calling card. And more often than not, if you're fighting in the main event of the, of the UFC, or if you're worthy enough to headline a UFC pay-per-view without an actual Undisputed championship belt on the line. You're probably a BMF, like you're a damn good fighter, right? Whoever that is. So um, they're always going to have that excuse, like, "Well, look at this guy. He he does knockouts. Uh, you know, he's done a fight of the night." Um, and I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of it, but I love the fight.
0: I I think both guys and most people do kind of think it's corny if it's not the right two guys. But the minute they brought up pay per view points. You notice Poirier and Gagey are both like, yeah, what's up? What's up? You know, like <laughs> all of a sudden they got grimy and dirty and street on everyone. Yeah. Um, But hey, solid fight. They're 1-1. One, one. And so let me go to par here with some follow-ups that I got. Um, All right. What do we do next with Gagey in the meantime? In October, we got Makachev versus Oliveira. I don't even think Gagey wants to be the sub, honestly, and go down there and weigh in. At, re- at least that's what it sounds like to me, although money talks, we shall see. So we probably was... Is he going to fight till later? And we don't know how things might might unfold. We don't know if that'll be a classic and they'll be 1 1 and they got to run it three times. Who knows? Pada. Of course, Connie Mack was at it again. The swagger jacker that he is on fight night. He says now he wants Gagey, almost kind of given the Heisman. Let me get, get my Heisman into Chandler. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Are, are you warm to Gagey versus McGregor? I mean, I know it'd be a classic fight, but. Maintain, uh, restore some order to this division. What do you think should happen?
1: No, if I'm Justin Gaethje, I wait 100%. I mean, he's just gotten himself, he cemented himself a title shot. It looks like Volkanovski is probably going to fight Tup- Ilya Topurya next. So if you're Justin Gaethje, absolutely wait. He did say he does not want to uh, weigh in as a backup, he doesn't mind going to Abu Dhabi to watch the fight, but he said he's not interested in uh, being an official backup for the fight at this point in Justin Gaethje's career. It, it's rare to get this many title opportunities, and and he's such a great fighter, but he's just fallen short uh, of the undisputed title, just like uh, Dustin Poirier. So when you position yourself like that, especially that he didn't even take that much damage against Dustin at this point in your career, you wait. Now, a fight with Conor McGregor, would it equal to millions of pay-per-views and millions in your bank account? Sure. But that's a fight I feel like he could have after the title shot. You never know. So Conor McGregor is smart. He knows how to promote. We always see him tweeting after uh, every event. And if Justin Gaethje just kind of cemented himself as a number one contender, I, I get why Conor McGregor would tweet at him because you're. it's kind of like, Win win situation for Connor if you were to fight against Justin. I mean, I spoke to Connor's manager in London and, and I told him, you know, is, is it a lot of lightweights keep telling Chandler, forget about Connor because you're not getting that fight? And he said, Connor's focused on Michael Chandler, but it it's not 100% going to happen. His attention could sway somewhere else. And here we see it with Justin Gaethje. He does kind of have the BMF belt, which people are looking as a promotional tool, but it's fun. And, and Connor's a guy who can easily headline a non title fight. So uh, well, I guess BMF would be a, a different type of title fight. But yeah, I mean, Connor knows what he's doing. Um, I would like to see that stylistically. It would be a lot of fun. But Gaethje didn't seem too entertained by it. He said, you know, I'm not going to fight somebody who's on steroids. He turned me down six times and whatnot. So if I'm dressing Gaethje, 100%, I just wait for that title shot. I get what Connor McGregor is doing here. And like I said, this is a fight that Gaethje could have um, in the near future. He just doesn't seem that interested in having it. So Gaethje, I think he should just wait.
0: How about you guys? We just sat through like the last eight, 10 Tuesdays watching McGregor and Chandler. We finally got our moment where he shoves them. Do we preserve that? Or are you kind of open to maybe a gauging McGregor possibility while the lightweight division sorts itself out at the top?
2: Uh, I think you have to preserve it. You know, what's the point of making us sit through all that if we're not going to see that fight? And I honestly feel like Conor McGregor's comments are more just to take a jab at Michael Chandler to, to bother him a little bit. Because obviously, if you're watching tough, it's not going Conor McGregor's way. He needs some some ammunition. But the Justin Gagey matchup, like, nobody thinks it's weird that we never really hear Justin Gagey's mouth come out of Conor's mouth for like the longest time. Like, I think it's the worst matchup he could possibly have. I feel like Justin Gagey will just beat up on that lead leg. Uh, him throwing from so many different angles like that, I, I just think this is a bad matchup for Conor McGregor. If I'm Conor McGregor, I leave Justin Gagey's name out of my mouth. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Um, guys, Gagey now holds three belts, the WSOF belt with some title defenses, the UFC interim belt, and now the BMF. Did he just cement himself as a Hall of Famer? That's my extra question Do you guys. Let's go to Danny first.
3: I'd like to have sort of a a bit more of a, or I'd like to see a bit of a bigger or tougher filter to get into the UFC hall of fame, the UFC hall of fame or just any hall of fame sounds very prestigious. Right. And you should do a lot. Like you should literally be able to define an entire era within your run within your legacy in order to be there. That's how I kind of see it. But the UFC just seems to have a, a bit of a more lax policy. So like, if someone like Donald Cerrone finds himself in the Hall of Fame, obviously Justin Gagey has to be there. Uh, he's done more within the UFC and has had more relevant wins and and has seemed to mark the landscape a lot more than Donald Cerrone, even though he might not be personality-wise as big as, as Cerrone, but sporting-wise, there's no doubt his legacy um, is, is bigger. So I'd like to see and, and wait what else he does in his career. But um, I guess under that current criteria, I'd say, yeah. But I, I kind of... The, the guy's career is not done yet, right? Like, he, you know, you can even argue, like, his better days are ahead, right? Like, whatever comes next is going to be big, is going to be important. So, um, I guess let's wait and see. All right, how about you, guys? What are your thoughts? That's three belts
0: that he has, and he's the highlight, and he's got a lot of bonuses. He's kind of carved out a special place in the lightweight division.
2: Yeah, that's the thing, is the UFC hasn't really – drawn that line you know like right now all we have to go off of is Donald Cerrone is your benchmark and if that's your benchmark then I don't see why Justin Gaethje doesn't get in I mean has a win over him you know and and his career has been pretty damn good overall even going back to World Series of Fighting what he was able to accomplish there so um, you know when we talk about some of the greatest fights in history he's got some of those so I think for sure he gets in uh, but I think he'll even cement that even more with some of the, the upcoming fights.
0: By the way, folks, Gagey versus Palomino one at WSOF. Watch that one if you haven't watched it. I mean, if you think you've watched all the Gagey fights, and there's some great ones out there, Alvarez, the first Poirier fight, uh, check out that one. Uh, that one's a treat. Father, how about you? Does he get into your Hall of Fame uh, with, with these accolades that he has under his belt?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. If, uh, like both Danny and Go said, if Donald Cerrone is uh, made it to the Hall of Fame, I think you know this. This goes back to what Daniel Cormier was kind of arguing about when talking about Jim Miller. If if they've kind of lowered the criteria in in that regard, then uh, Justin's won an interim title. He's holds wins over now Dustin, Michael Chandler. He's put himself together a good career, and he's still continuing to to notch wins. And who knows? Could be undisputed champion. Uh, at some point in his career. So, yeah, I, I I mean, I would assume that he would have a place in the Hall of Fame.
0: All right, fair enough. I think he's in. Um, but those that's years ahead of us still. He still has uh, more fights to give us. Um, all right, folks, listen, if you're watching live here, welcome. Uh, we're live every Monday, and you can participate in the show via this chat room here. Ask a question, leave a comment. The sharp questions get priority, like Normandale said in the movie Hoosiers. Make it a good one, strap. And you'll make it here onto the show. Joseph Moses says, I was surprised in a good way. This was an early finish. I know Justin said that he didn't think he could turn it around for 294, but he looked like he wasn't even in a fight with Dustin. Joseph, I'll answer this one because the the gang already addressed this. He just is not interested in turning it around in time for Abu Dhabi, even though we're still a full two months and three weeks away. He just does not want to do it. He'll await the winner of Olivera versus uh, Maka Chef. MMA Events Vlog says, what's up, guys? What's up, MMA Events Vlog? Anthony Anthony says, am I wrong or was it to the back of the head and the neck kick, Justin never came close to shin versus chin? It's fucking bullshit. Anybody want to address that one? I understand what he's saying because we always talk about the back of the head. Anybody want to address that one from Anthony Anthony?
3: Um, that was a clean head kick knockout, my opinion. I mean, there was no nothing illegal about that. Um, not even Dustin Point complained about it. So
0: Yeah, he hits the ear. pretty much if you hit the ear, even your hand strike is not gonna be illegal. So some of the foot comes in from the torque of the actual, you know, well, first of all, the foot is gonna bend a little bit once it connects with the head. So yeah. That's a legal strike, Anthony, Anthony. I answered it only because, and so did Danny, just because, hey, there's a lot of new fans that come along from time to time. So we're not just going to clown anyone that asks. Well, yeah, it's a, that was a legal strike, Anthony, Anthony. I'm going to get the papers, get the papers. Ahead it, ahead. It's different. It's
2: difficult too with head kicks because, you know, your intuition is to turn your jaw, right? So a lot of times people will say turn into it a little bit. That's why it seems like it hits you in the back of the head. But yeah. no, nah, there was nothing wrong with that one.
0: Yeah, usually even if in a punch, if anything gets the ear, it's legal, even if a lot of it, even if 90% of it lands towards the back. You touch some of the ear and you're good. Um. Anyway, here's one more, Scott Christian. I feel like many thought that this might be Justin swan song. But it turns out it might be Dustin's downward slide. What do you guys think? Uh, anybody agree with that?
3: We we will only find out until he actually returns and then we see how he looks in his next outing. Right. I, I would say no. Right. This wasn't like a Justin Gagey, Tony Ferguson style beating where, you know, we just felt uncomfortable at one point and, and it had to get stopped. Right. And it was just round after round. It wasn't an accumulation um, yeah, just uh, Dustin took a few shots in the first round, but um, he, he ate them well. And then, you know, he did get knocked out pretty cleanly in the second. So I would like to say no, but th- there are no guarantees. Both of these guys have put an incredible amount of mileage on their bodies, on their chains, on their brain, that it just takes one knockout sometimes, one punch for the rest of the career to look a different way. So. We'll find out. We'll find out whenever he returns. Um, I wouldn't yeah. rule it out, but I, I don't think it, I don't think that's the most likely scenario. In fact, let's dive into it a little bit more here in topic
0: number two. So, the losing participant in the BMF title fight was Dustin Poirier. Tough loss for him, but because of his past past successes, he does have some options if he does not want to fight rising title contenders. So, like Fiziev, Gamrod. Um, you know, and some of the others that are that are climb that are climbing Sarukian. So advise Poye on his next move. Goes, what would you tell him? I mean, he's got some options there. What do you tell him?
2: Well, for sure, some time off. You know, that was a brutal KO. We all know the repercussions of bad KOs don't always show up immediately, right? Sometimes it takes a while before you really realize just how messed up you are. But some of the names that he's been attached to in the past, like Nate Diaz, that's I'd like to see what happens with Nate Diaz this weekend and see if he even has a hunger to come back to mixed martial arts, and if that's through the UFC, if he does, then I think that's kind of a decent fight where I don't think uh, Dustin Poirier feels like he's putting somebody over or anything like that. I think it's a fight that a lot of people were pretty interested in when they brought it up the first time. Another name is like Benil Dariush. He was attached to him for a little while, maybe a fight, something like that. You know, um, Those types of fights I I think are something that could kind of answer the question that Danny was asking, right? Like let's see – where he's at exactly and, and I don't think it's end all be all for Dustin Poirier. You know, Justin is a tough guy. Most people that get hit with that kick are gonna go out. And Dustin's shown that, you know, when when he's been KO'd before, he can come back even stronger. So we'll have to see. But I you know it's it's interesting with that division because you look at the top guys and a lot of them feel like they're one, maybe two fights away from calling it quits. And maybe that could be Dustin Poirier's time. We don't know, but we won't know until he gets that next assignment. But we know we'll, we'll get what we always get out of Dustin Poirier, and that's 100%. The guy always comes in shape. He always comes to fight. When it's time for him to call it quits, I, I think he'll know, and, and I think he'll do it there in the cage.
0: All right, Danny, you're next, and allow me to play devil's advocate. So it goes the same time off, but isn't that what we said to Alex Fajeda? And now look at him. He might be in a title fight because he rolled the dice, and he got a win just three months after that vicious loss to Izzy.
3: In, in terms of who, sorry? Dustin Poirier, next move. Yeah, Um, look, he is one-on-one one with Gagey, right? Like, if he's just able, and he's got a big name, as all of you guys mentioned, if he's able to just notch one or two victories, who knows, like, if Justin Gagey does become champion, I mean, I think the UFC would love to do a trilogy bout for the Undisputed Belt. Um, That would be huge. I mean, just the fact that these two headlined, a UFC pay-per-view without an undisputed title on the line means, you know, that they are a draw, that they can put some uh, put some uh, buys on that pay-per-view. So, so yeah, I, I don't think the chances for him fighting for a title have completely closed. Um, he's a very exciting fighter. He's a big name, so there's a lot of options for him. I do think, obviously, the door does shut a little bit, but um, I, I do think he still has a chance of fighting for an undisputed belt in the future, depending on how things shake out in the division. So I, I would just suggest, again, long break, just because, you know, those type of knockouts are, are quite scary and, and you do want to make sure that you're in the right state of mind and, and your health is quite, pro, you know, quite well. You don't want to roll the dice. I, I would actually say that what Poatan did is ill advice, but it worked out for him. Um, And then just kind of wait and see what happens this weekend also with Nate Diaz and Jake Paul. Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier were booked briefly for a point in time. A lot of people were excited about that fight. Nate Diaz has said it over and over. He's going to go do his thing with Jake Paul, and then he wants to re-sign with the UFC. If he wins, becomes an even bigger star, re-signs with the UFC. We don't know what the hell is going on with Conor, so that might not even be a thing, you know, so long he doesn't go into the USADA testing pool. Uh, I think Dustin Poirier would be a, a good opponent for um, Diaz. Diaz has previously signed a contract to fight him before. So I think it could happen or at least verbally agreed to fight him. So that, that'd that be a huge fight for for Poirier. And again, it would just kind of keep him in the realm of title contention. So um, it's not doom and gloom for Dustin Poirier. All right. Father
0: Hanun, last one. Advise Dustin Poirier on his next move. He's a big star. He's got some options.
1: Here's the issue. Dustin Poirier said he's not interested in fighting rising contenders. He kind of just wants the big names, and and he mentioned even prior to the Gaethje rematch that Benil Dariush didn't really interest him. And when you look at the rankings, there aren't too many available options. You've got Rafael Fiziev who's going to fight Mateo Gamrot. Gamrot's a teammate of uh, Dustin Poirier, and when. I think Fiziev style-wise would interest uh, Dustin Poirier. I don't know name-wise, but if he does beat Gamrot, that would be an option, but I don't know if that would entice Dustin Poirier. So right now, I think it's the waiting game for Dustin. Just see how the rest of the lightweight division plays out. And uh, again, if Gaethje is going to fight for the undisputed title, if he falls short, the trilogy is there. Like Danny mentioned, Nate Diaz, if he makes his way back to the UFC, that's definitely a fight that's going to get him excited. So Dustin Poirier, it's a waiting game right now. It depends what happens with Oliveira and Issa Mahachev. If Oliveira loses to Mahachev again, do they do that rematch? I think Oliveira is a name that would excite Dustin Poirier because he's going to want to avenge that loss. So if you're Dustin Poirier and you're looking for those big fights and those big names... You just got to wait. Because right now, when you look at the rankings, absolutely nothing makes sense in terms of what he's looking for. Uh, If you're just looking at it purely rankings, Benil Dariush makes perfect sense. But uh, he did say in the past that he wasn't too interested in Dariush. I don't think he'd be any more interested right now. So if he's not interested in the Dariush and the Fiziev, if Fiziev can get past Gamrod, it's a waiting game for Dustin Poirier and and see who's available. And it makes sense for him to take some time off after uh, a knockout loss.
0: Yeah, the waiting game probably makes the most sense. You're right. I think just it opens up new paths, and just this
3: weekend alone, we'll see more with Nate Diaz. Go ahead, Danny. Yeah. Also, let's not discard the idea of maybe something at 170. He told me before and in, in the past that before his career's done with, he sees himself doing some fights at 170 pounds. We got Luke versus RDA. You know, if RDA is a good name. If he wins, maybe that could be a possibility um you know down the line so you know maybe maybe there's something at 170 as well
0: hey is this crazy what if the ufc does sign michael
3: venom page just him versus poye at 170 yeah again yeah that those are if he's into big fights interesting fights i think that'd be one of them for sure
0: I wonder if he would look at age as a young guy, rising guy versus the established star that he was at Bellator. Go ahead, Fahdi. You want to answer that one?
1: Yeah, I'm saying like if he's going to do 170, which I'm not sure because he said that this was one of his most seamless cuts to 155. So Dustin seems content right now. But again, your mindset changes. They were talking to him right after the fight and he said he had a seamless cut to 55. So he could have a different opinion later. But Wonderboy Thompson's another name that if you were to go up to 170. But I don't know who it was on Twitter that posted a picture of, of it was Poirier and Kiesa and a, two other 70 pounders and they're like, look, I mean, Dustin does not look big in front of these guys. So they're like, cut that notion of saying that uh, Dustin's a quote-unquote weight bully or whatnot. He would not be big at 170. That's the comment somebody made. So it That's seems true. like he's okay. he'd be okay at, at 155 if he's uh, okay making the cut. But if you ask Dustin Poirier three, four months from now, he could have a different answer.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to the next topic here. Alex Fajeda defeated Jan Blahovic via split decision. There was talk that this fight could should produce at least one of the two fighters who will compete for the vacant light heavyweight title. As you all know, Jamal Hill uh, relinquished the title because of a serious injury to his Achilles heel. So in your eyes, did Pajeda accomplish that? Meaning, should he be one of the two that fights for the vacant title? How did you score the fight is my other question to you all. And over the weekend, we did get some news. Johnny Walker... And Magomed Ankalaev will be fighting at UFC 294 in Abu Dhabi. I bring that up because those are two big names, and I imagine they might be part of this equation. Danny, you're you're first.
3: Yeah, he has to be, right? Like, you're talking about a former champion at middleweight, coming up, defeating a former champion at 205, he's got to be next. And it's not like we're in a division that's full of contenders and there's tons of options. You know, Jamal Hill had to vacate his belt. Uh, Glover retired. Um, you know, a lot of fighters are coming off losses. Prochaska also vacated his belt, but he, it seems that, you know, he's on, um, on his, on, on his way to recovery. So I think Poatan has to be one of the two that, that end up fighting for that vacant belt. I think ideally you would want Prochaska just cause he was the original champion that won the belt, never lost it and had to vacate it. Uh, so he's probably seen as the best 205 fiver right now. So I think, and plus action-wise, like Boatan versus Prochaska, it sounds like a lot of fun. So I'm all in. I think that's option number one, but we do not know, or at least, I don't know if uh, Prochaska has posted any update on his recovery. We know that he should be towards the end of his recovery, but sometimes, you know, these things can extend and who knows, maybe he's just ready to start training again. Who knows if he can actually endure a training camp and, and fight fairly soon. Um, I think the other option, and obviously that changed with his booking with uh, Ankaliev and Johnny Walker, but I thought Johnny Walker would have been a, a phenomenal choice. He's in, in the top 10, three-fight <laughs> winning streak. Brazilian as well. You could do this fight in Brazil. He has a really weird style, so it lends itself for a very interesting fight. And that would be a huge fight in Brazil. So I think that would have been a, a solid B option. Obviously, it's still game is still on the table if he does his job in his next outing. So we'll see about that. But certainly, certainly, Boatan has to be next in the vacant title fight that they're going to book at some point in the future here at Light Heavyweight.
0: Sorry, I'm laughing because just as you said, I think Johnny Walker should be in. It's almost like he reacted to you because mm-hmm, yeah. old coffee goes to the B-roll and you got Johnny Walker there dancing. He, delighted to hear what Danny Segura's take is on all this. All right, Fada, how about you? That was a live shot, by uh, the way. What's that? <laughs>
3: So was that, that was a live shot, by the way, of Johnny okay. Wall. Danny, what was your score? Did you give me your score on the fight? Did you agree with the judges? Yeah, I agreed. I had a 29, well, with two of them. Uh I had a 29-28 yeah. for, for Pereira. Uh, clearly, he lost the first round. There's no doubt about that. And I thought yeah. he did the most damage in rounds two and three. Um, mm-hmm. There is a case to be made that this should have been a draw. I don't know how you guys feel about it and and you should weigh in, but... I've had several people reach out to me and be like, that first round should have been a 10-8. Um, I don't agree with it. I don't think there was enough damage for for it to get pushed to 10-8, but there was a ton of control. I mean, it, it was clearly a, a very, very dominant round from John Blachowicz. Uh, But, yeah, he scored a 29-28 for Pereira.
0: Yeah, in that round, he did have dominance and duration. He yep. didn't have damage. And the rules state that if two of the three are present, you should consider a 10-8. Not automatically it is a 10-8, only you should consider a 10-8. But what we've heard and what Goz and I shared in our watch-along is usually if one of the two of the three is damaged, then the 10-8 is more like, here it goes, it's floating out there, right? But because it wasn't, it's now a should consider. Um, now, the the rules don't explicitly say it like that, but that's just what we've been told. By some of the people that we kind of, you know, talked to, I guess. Fada, what were your thoughts? Give me your score. And also, Pajeda, do you think he cemented himself as one of the two participants? Yuri Prashaska being another one, a former champ who had to relinquish. He didn't lose anything. And then, of course, a new title booking at UFC 294.
1: Yeah, I scored a 29-28 for Pejeda. I thought round one was very clearly Jan Bohovic. It wasn't enough for me for a 10-8 just because of the damage thing that you were talking about. Maybe if he had some heavier ground and pound or really secured that choke for a while and had him in deep trouble. But he did have him in, in, in some really bad positions. Round two was was Pejeda's, and then round three I felt Pejeda edged it. I felt like the late takedown by Bohovic wasn't enough. What didn't help Blahović was his body language, in my opinion. Yes. Clearly, the altitude yeah, got to him. It. Yeah, his body language did not help him. Even after the fight, Pehera had his hands raised. Blahović was sitting down looking exhausted. That stuff never looks good in front of the judges. So, I think… One of the most things that really hurt Jan Bojovic was his body language. Round two, I thought he was on the brink of getting finished because of how tired he looked. I wasn't sure why Pejeda didn't put his foot on the gas pedal more, mm. probably because maybe lunging forward was maybe going to get him taken him down, or maybe he was going to get tired himself. But um, I thought Pejeda missed his opportunity in round two to try to finish the fight. But nonetheless, Bo- uh body language was not good. Uh, at, in round two, so I scored that for Pejeda. Is he one half of the vacant title fight? I think so. The UFC is a business; they know. When you look at the the top guys in the rankings, now we've got Ankalaev and Johnny Walker. I mean, I hate that Ankalaev gets kind of lost in all of this shuffle because he's so quiet and and isn't very outspoken on the mic and his comments after the Bohovic fight, where. Something along the lines of not wanting to be in the UFC anymore. I'm sure that didn't help his case. But now he's fighting Johnny Walker. I think if he beats Johnny Walker, he should be part of a title fight. I just don't think he's next. I don't know when Prohaska is going to be back. But business-wise, it makes all the sense in the world for the UFC to go Pejera and Prohaska. I think that's a fight that could easily sell stylistically. A fight that's going to get a lot of fans excited.
0: Yeah. All right. So I'm glad you brought up the body language. Another thing was when Blahovich did get time on top due to his takedowns, he just didn't mount offense. He looked so exhausted there and fighters, please, if you get booked to Salt Lake city, get there like a month in advance because getting there 10 days in advance or that extra week, I'm still seeing exhaustion. I think exhaustion may have cost John Blahovich that fight uh, as much as any of the other factors. How about you go share your thoughts, your uh, your card, you know, that you turned in for this fight. And and then uh, what do you think about Pajed Is Did he cement himself as one of the two? I think he definitely did. You know, night of, I actually thought Blahovich had won
2: the fight. Then I went back and I watched it and I do agree, Perera, I think, won the fight. We did kind of bring up the 10-8 in our watch long. And it was that feeling of we don't feel like it's a 10-8, but you feel like maybe one of the three judges might do it. So you really had no idea what was going to get called there at the end of the fight. But, I mean, I'm glad you guys kind of brought this up. Like, I feel like if that fight took place anywhere out of altitude, that probably would have been a Jan Blachowicz night. Um, I still feel like Pereira has some holes that he has to address. He's gotten a little better with the takedown defense, but it's not 100% there. And so I think if you're the UFC, you have to look look at it as, as a business. It seems like they really like this guy. And I think you need to give him that position right now. Yuri makes too much sense. I think those two guys, you put them together, it's going to be fireworks. It's a great fight. It just feels like they're the ones that are leading right now. And I'll be honest, I, I think I might actually lean towards Pereira in that fight.
0: Yeah, and as a former champ, I just think, and especially willing to fight so quick, he scored some points this weekend. So I think he's going to definitely be one of the two for sure. I consider Prashaska just out until he declares himself back in. Of course, he could do that via fight booking. But I think the winner of the fight in Abu Dhabi will fight for Heda. until again we hear that Prashaska's in. But maybe you all have better context than I do. I just haven't heard that he's officially back. I keep hearing that, um, you know, he's training and, you know, the kind of the stuff that you normally hear. Is he part of Team Adi or is he with Tim? Do you know, Pada? Uh, you just talked to Adi.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's... He's with Tim. Like, he's part of Tim's, yeah, group. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so that that management boutique kind of split in two there. Um, All right. Well, look, we'll just worry about it when, when we find out what the next one is. We just go off the info on hand. Topic four, Derek Lewis defeated Marcos Rogerio de Lima via TKO, a jumping switch, knee kick, knee strike. Got things going for the Black Beast. 33 seconds in, and it was all over. Then we learned about Lewis's free agent status along with his hot balls. Um, so, guys, I want to know, how should, should what kind of urgency should the UFC have in re-signing this guy? I heard Saint Salt Lake City was just popping for this guy from the minute of the walkout to him winning to everything he was saying. They were hanging on his every word. This guy's a star no matter what. Or should he test free agency and pursue the big fights that are out there? Fata, back to you for the first take.
1: It's tough, right? Because Derek Lewis said he wants to stay with the USC. and Derek Lewis has proven to be a guy that can be a star on his own. It doesn't really matter who the dance partner is. This guy's fought everybody. That's my only concern. Like, who's left for him to fight in the USC? And he said he has another title run left in him, but this guy's fought uh, kind of the rising stars, the Sergei Pavlovich, says he's fought for the interim belt. He's fought Francis Igano. He's fought everybody. So I just wonder who's really left for him to fight in the USC. But Seeing what he said, wanting to re-sign the UFC, having another title run in him, um, I think the UFC should re-sign. He stole the show, uh, and it's crazy to think that this guy was on the prelims and then he got bumped up to the main (laughs) card after the cancellation of Wonder Boy's fight, and look what he did. This guy knows how to capitalize uh, on his mic time and and even media day. This guy is just very unintentionally funny, uh, had the crowd on their feet. His post-fight celebration was hilarious. So, yeah, I mean, if you're the UFC, you want to re-sign Derek Lewis. Now, of course, everybody's talking about the Francis Ngannou rematch and him, you know, that's the guy. That's the guy that should fight Francis Ngannou in the PFL and MMA. But what after for Derek Lewis is the question. So it's like if Derek Lewis was looking to call it a career really, really soon, because he's talking about title runs. If he's saying he has another title run in him, does not sound like a man who has one or two fights left in him. But if he were to call it a career very soon, then yes, I would say Ngannou's the right play. Make a big bag. Doesn't matter what the outcome is. Get out. But if he's talking about wanting to stay in the UFC and having another title run in him does not sound like a man who's done fighting. So that's why I'd say if you're the UFC, you want to re-sign this guy. He's a star. He's entertaining. uh, Company leader for most knockouts in UFC history. He's reclaimed that. I'm sure he doesn't mind putting a few more so he could be ahead of the race.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, Uh, goes. how about you? What are your thoughts, man? He's got some abs, too. Let's not forget. Mm -hmm. Taking it more serious now.
2: For sure. I mean, look. Francis Ngannou may not be fighting in the UFC, but he's still making an impact on the UFC's bottom line, right? Like this is one of the first times where we feel like we're going to have that Ngannou effect. It's raised his head for the UFC because now they have a decision to make. And I think that's kind of interesting that Derek Lewis even brings that up in his post-fight speech. I mean, we all know an opponent of Francis Ngannou is going to get at least $2 million, right? That's a big deal. And George, how many times has Derek Lewis told us to our face, he almost threw me off of that boat in Virginia, for asking the belt to him just doesn't mean anything it's all about making money and this is a good opportunity for him to make money so what do you do now if you're the UFC I think you have to sign him I think you have to send that message if you do that you take somebody off of that plate for the PFL it forces them to find somebody else to kind of uh, make people want to tune in and watch Francis and Gandu fight if Derek does go to the PFL and he gets a win I think there's just no way you don't do the rematch right you put that much money into France and Ghana, you gotta do that. And I have to imagine again, that's another two million dollars. It's four million dollars that Francis could or that Derek Lewis could possibly make over there. So it's really interesting what's going on here and to see the effect that this is finally gonna have uh on the UFC and for fighters. Like really the the, the people that are winning right now are the fighters in general, right? Because now you're starting to see a little bit of change. Now there is some discussion. So we'll have to see what Derek Lewis decides on doing, if the UFC is going to sign him or re-sign him, they're going to have to offer him. They're going to offer, They're not going to give him $2 million, but they're going to have to give him something that makes him happy. And sometimes that's hard to do with Derek Lewis. So it's going to be real interesting to see going forward. But that Francis Ngannou effect, it's here, and we're going to see this happen more often.
0: Danny, you're what we call a tiebreaker. Fada thinks he's maybe going to stay in the UFC. Goes, is thinking he should start looking elsewhere like the PFL. What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, this is a tough one. And there are some key details that I think we're missing here. I wonder if the UFC just let Derek Lewis contract expire and then they'll just negotiate like once they have a result in hand. Because remember, going into this event, he was one and four in his past five fights. And I believe all the losses were finishes. So, you know, it's not like he was looking great either entering this fight. And we're kind of forgetting about this because of this crazy flying knockout. Uh, flying knee knockout with uh, with, with uh, uh, Marcos Rogero uh, de Lima here. But um, I think that vastly changed the narrative. If he would have lost here, I think the narrative would have been completely different. and Maybe there wouldn't have been that much appeal to see him against Francis Ngannou. But now things are vastly different. So I wonder if the UFC let the contract expire or if they actually actively try to re-sign Derek Lewis and he's like, eh, you know what? I, I heard the news of Ngannou. I want to test free agency and see what you know what what my uh fortune uh turns out to be by by fighting out the contract so i think that's a that's a key detail because if he did choose not to re sign with the ufc any contract was offered prior to this ufc 291 fight um maybe 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 he does really want to go to pfl and maybe he's just saying hey ufc i want to stay here to see if the ufc you know add some zeros to to his check um but but certainly with a big possibility or, or a big uh interest in entertaining the idea of moving over to PFL. But I, I would agree with goes I would side with ghosts here. Like, yes, he said he's got another title run in him. But at the same time, if you look at Derek Lewis, he is the definition of a price fighter. He doesn't really care a ton about the belt. He cares about the belt in the sense that it'll bring him more money. But if he can make money without the belt, he's also fine with that. Also, he's, he's had uh, tons of injuries in the past with his back. Uh, he says that his health is good now, but, you know, those injuries usually don't go away, right? Uh, he's also risking his his health every time he steps in there. He's got almost 40 professional fights. So I don't think he actually wants to stick around for a very long time. He just wants to make as much money as possible. And if he can do that against Francis Ngannou in just one fight or two fights, maybe fight somebody else at PFL after that, um, I think he'd be ready to do that and, and call it quits. Also, I think the $2 million were sort of a base minimum to any opponent... That is given uh, to Francis Nganu. But Derek Lewis is not just any opponent. This guy has headlined 10 UFC events, clearly one of the biggest names, current heavyweight in MMA, and has history with Francis Nganu. They have some bad blood. Remember those uh, th- that buildup to that fight. The fight might have not been good, but there was some bad blood, uh, some some heated aspects to the fight. So I think now with Nganu, you know, uh, certainly an elevated status, Derek Lewis as well. Plus, I don't think the fight would play out the same way the first one would do. Um, I would assume that the PFL is just going to write whatever check possible, more than $2 million to make this fight happen because it's the best possible scenario that they have. Literally, like outside of John Jones and maybe Pavlovich, but even then, Pavlovich is not nearly as known as Derek Lewis. Really, I would say out of jo- outside of John Jones and maybe a trilogy with Stipe. Who who else would be the most interesting challenger for Francis Ngannou in MMA? I I'd actually argue that's Derek Lewis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in the chat, John Wayne
0: says he's gonna go for that Francis money. Joseph Moses says the UFC would only resign Derek because they need bodies at heavyweight. Derek was willing to fight anybody at any time. I think the statement performance will make him will make the UFC resign him. King James says Lewis is too. Popular to go. Richie Elger says Lewis has one more run before leaving the UFC. Uh, he also says Aspinall versus Lewis. Uh, that ha- Has that happened yet? It has not happened. I wouldn't mind seeing that one, honestly. Uh, thank you, guys. I'll see if I can get to more comments in the chat. And I know Facebook chatters are available to us. So if you're watching on Facebook, hit us up with a question comment. I'll try and get you guys in. Also, right now is a good time for me to politely ask, hit that like and subscribe for this video. It goes a long way with triggering the algorithm, YouTube be tripping, you know what I mean? So if you do that, kind of circulates it, populates it, put it, gets us closer to the front page on YouTube. And there's this little bell there. If you hit it, it'll tell you when we're live. So do that as well for us. We, you can count on us every Monday, live, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, Spinning back, like we discussed all the big stories in MMA. And again, you can be a part of the show leaving a comment or a question. We shall continue though. We got a little bit more to get to. Uh, the fight that didn't happen kind of had us talking as well. Steven Thompson versus Michelle Fajeda. So let's take you back to Friday morning at the official weigh-ins. Fajeda missed weight by three pounds. We were all gutted after finding out about Pajeda's weight miss, and we had to wait a few hours, and we found out later in the day that the fight was off. And so it's unfortunate, and there's something to this. Let me tell you what Stephen Thompson said uh, via Instagram. Unfortunately, my fight with Michelle Pajeda will no longer be going forward. First off, I'm sorry to all the fans that were looking forward to my fight. I'm gutted for my coaches, my family, and all the people who helped me throughout the camp to be ready and prepared to go to battle. I made weight this morning as I've done every fight during my 11 and a half year USC career. My opponent did not. This isn't the first time I've had an opponent miss weight. And given how it played out previously, myself and my team uh, ultimately felt that it wasn't smart to us for us to move forward with the fight. At my age and given what I've accomplished in the sport, I'm not here to be a gatekeeper. I'm here to fight uh, for and to win the UFC welterweight title when i step into the octagon no one's there but me and my opponent this isn't a video game both of us are putting our health and our careers on the line if i don't finish my opponent i risk losing a decision even if it's a split decision as what happened when i fought Darren Till, and almost uh the same scenario played out then if you you guys remember when he fought till uh in liverpool till actually was 174.5 so he was even a bigger cat and it didn't work out for him. Fighters, he continues, fighters who miss weight face far too few consequences and are often allowed to fight with a significant competitive advantage. This appears to be happening more and more these days. Hopefully, the decision to not move forward with the fight will discourage others from missing weight in the future. I also hope to encourage fighters to the that face this situation to follow suit and not allow this to happen to them. I'm healthy. And I will look to get in the Octagon ASAP, but on the level playing field as I continue my quest of winning the UFC welterweight title. So that's from Steven Thompson. Steven, a note from me. Please use paragraphs going forward. That was a tough <laughs> read for me. But, yeah, guys, what were your thoughts on this? And and according to our colleague Mike Bond, he did not even get paid his show money, even though he weighed in and made weight. He elected not to take the fight. So my question to you guys is, the UFC not being so understanding here, was that fair or foul on their end? And even from Steven Thompson, were you happy with his decision or not? Goes, you're first. I think it's
2: foul for the UFC. It's a foul. um, But what they're doing, I mean, make no mistake, they're sending a message to the rest of the roster, right? This is what happens if you don't go out there and fight. At the end of the day, I understand – steven thompson what we want is a fair fight we want to determine who is the better fighter and you know i get it fans that are going to the arena they bought tickets that might have been a reason why maybe it was a fight that put them over the edge or who knows but this is in boxing right in boxing you lose a big fight that's it your card is scrapped right uh this is mixed martial arts that's why they stack the cards you can afford to lose a fight here and there so yeah i mean i feel bad for the fans but at the same time this just kind of happens that's why we have stacked cards you win some, you lose some, but for Wonder Boy, like to to not have your opponent go through the same thing you had to go through, I know three and a half pounds doesn't sound like a lot on paper, but it really is, and it's the fact that one guy had to put himself through hell and the other one didn't. I understand what he's trying to say, but you also have to understand that the UFC has kind of sent messages like this before. you know, they, they want you to go out and fight. How could you let down the fans? They, they start with all that type of stuff. So you know there's going to be repercussions, and that's one of them. Now, Steven Thompson, he's fought a lot of big fights in his career. He probably has the money where I'm sure this stings, but it's not going to end his life, right? Not every fighter on the roster can do that type of stuff. A lot of fighters on the roster end up having to fight, even though they do feel like they're going into an unfair fight. They don't have the choice that Steven Thompson has. So I think it's a foul on the UFC. I understand where Steven Thompson is coming from, and uh, I don't hold it against them. But you know what? Good luck booking your next fight. I think that's going to be very difficult. You're going to go somewhere you don't want to go. You're going to fight someone you don't want to fight. That's just kind of how it happens in the sport.
0: All right, Danny, your thoughts?
3: I think ultimately, Steven Thompson made the right decision. Uh, Fair and I discussed this uh, at length in the preview show for the card. Um, look, his goal is to fight for the belt once again. I think the chances of that are not very high, but there are some chances there. He is a big name. He is in the top 10. He is coming off a win. If he's able to maintain healthy, get a couple more victories, and if the division kind of pans out in a way that they're in need of a name contender. Um, you know, he's right there. He's right there. And at 40 years of age, he's got a very small margin of error. I would actually dare to say no margin of error. The moment that he loses from now on, I think he can say goodbye to any title hopes because at this point he needs all the cards in his favor for just to have a chance, not even a guarantee. And again, time is of the essence here with uh, Steven Wonderwood Thompson being 40 years old. So he made the right choice as far as whether um, it was fair or false from the UFC to not pay Thompson his show money. Well, I'd like to see him get paid, right? He did everything that he had to do, and they signed a contract that they were going to fight at 170 or 171 pounds. Michel Pereira didn't live up to that. The contract is no longer valid because that's what it was stated, and he has the right to say, no, I don't want to fight. But unfortunately, because of the way the contracts work in the UFC – there, there there's nothing on the contract that says, if you make way, we're going to give you the money. And those are contracts that these fighters and managers willingly sign time and time again. And we don't really see much of a push to change that. So if that's sort of your stance on the matter, don't be surprised if the UFC decides to not give you the show money because they do not have uh, a legality or they're not forced to pay you your show money just for weighing in. You actually got to get in there and fight. So, um, I guess this is just a, a bit of a, a, a touch on the on just the contract situation on on, on the grand scheme of things, but um, technically, no, not a foul. The UFC is in their right to exercise this uh, option if they choose to. That's how the contracts are shaped, and that's what these fighters and managers willingly uh, a- a- abide to. You know, fight after fight, and you know we don't really see much of a push to to change that. So um, yeah, it sucks to. Not you know see him not get his money. I wish he sh- should have gotten his money, but that's that's the way this industry is. Father, how about you?
1: Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm not surprised to see that he didn't get paid to show money because basically what what Danny said right there, um, it's it's what is expected. Does it suck? Yeah, it sucks, and I I don't disagree. Uh, with his choice to not fight because at the end of the day, Pajeda's ranked, what, number 15, I believe. What what happens if you lose to Michel Pajeda? Are you no longer ranked welterweight? When is the last time Wonderboy wasn't a ranked welterweight? And at this point in his career at 40, uh, you know he still has another title run in him. He said, I don't want to be a gatekeeper. He's had to fight a lot of these rising guys, the Vicente Luques, the Jeff Niels. He's accepted to fight all of these guys. He's not a guy that has turned down uh fights in the past i know he recently said he'd rather not fight a grappler and and fight more entertaining style fights he got that in michelle pajeda but um this was kind of a big risk low reward fight for him in michelle pajeda so after the weight miss after everything that happened with him uh when he fought darren till in liverpool lost the decision darren till came in heavy he just doesn't want to relive that again and at least darren till back then uh was one of the top stars in the ufc with michelle pajeda uh, he had a lot to lose if he were to lose that fight. So I don't blame Wonderboy for choosing not to fight. Uh, I expect him to be rebooked very soon. And, uh, you know, I, I believe it's what you said. And he can afford to um, not fight. I don't think he's in dire need of, of the money. Um, so, yeah, it sucks that the UFC did it. It's not that I, I agree that they shouldn't get paid, but I'm not surprised to hear that he didn't get paid as much as it sucks.
3: Go said that, but I'll gladly take the credit. I think he should
0: have gotten paid. He weighed in. They've set that precedent in the past, I think, way more than not. So I think he should have got paid. Three pounds is a lot. Um, And I thought he gave a great explanation, and that's why I powered through that and read it for you guys. But all right, let's get to some rapid fire. Let's go real quick on these guys, and then we'll – Wrap things up for this week. Tony Ferguson's lost six in a row, but he still pops with the fans. As we've seen in the past, Sam Malvey, Sean, not Sean Penn, B.J. Penn. They've gone through these horrible runs, but the UFC continues to book them. Uh, what do you think, Danny? Uh, UFC going to stick with Ferguson? Make it quick, please.
3: I'd be shocked if they do. I mean, we are talking about a six-fight losing streak getting finished in his last three fights. Remember, he's also had some issues outside of the cage uh, with legal issues, DUIs. And that's something that the UFC doesn't necessarily like to be attached to. Obviously, if they had the choice, um, those are bad headlines. And at this point, you know, I would assume that Ferguson has one of the pricier contracts. I'm not saying it's super high, but certainly is not a $10,000, $10,000 like a rookie. And at this point, what does he offer at this point, right? Like six fight losing streaks. So I'd be shocked if he sticks around in the UFC. All right. We're a little
0: short on time. So let me go straight to the next one. This one will be for Fada. Michael Bisbing says Tom Mastonall would run through John Jones like he did Marcin Tabora. What are you giving to Michael Bisbing? A fist bump for saying that? A yellow card because he's a little off? Or a red card because he's really, really off on that one? This is John Jones we're talking about, Fada.
1: Yeah, I mean, British bias, I guess. I mean, look, uh, Tom Aspinall is great. By the end of the day, we're talking about John Jones. There is nothing based off what we've seen from John Jones and how great he is and, and his legacy and everything he's done for us to ever say that anyone's going to run through him. So I love you, Michael Bisping. I know Tom Aspinall is your boy and As- hey, Aspinall is very talented. But to say he's going to run through John Jones is pretty crazy.
0: All right, well, that sounds like a yellow card, so we'll give him the yellow card for that. Last one's for goes. Nate Diaz versus Jake Paul. It's finally here, Goes. It's on Saturday. Are you in, man, after all this? Are you going to order this bad boy, or are you and Laura going to go check out Barbie on Saturday night after Font and San Hagen?
2: I think I'd rather fight Nate Diaz than watch Barbie, George. So I'm, I'm, I'm in on this one, but it's not the kind where – if nobody shows up i'm ordering it i need a couple buddies to pitch in to watch this because come on we just had big boxing we just had mma now you want me to give more money i'm gonna need to do this as a group
0: sounds fair all right guys you guys did an outstanding job as you always did as you always do i should say uh comments and questions were awesome cold copy was killing it on the ones and twos with this b-roll I, I of course took it to another level i was fantastic Guys, we'll see you here every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, where the back click, it's live, it's for you, it's on Facebook, it's on YouTube. Subscribe to YouTube because you'll get a lot of these great videos. You can see past spinning back clicks, a lot of the post-fight coverage from UFC 291, all the stuff leading into Diaz versus Paul. Whatever you want, we're here for you. Hit the like and subscribe one more time. It'll definitely help us out, and we'll see you all next week. Take care and go out and be a champion.